Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Merry Christmas! One more time, Merry Christmas! I love it, I love it. Hey, I love that video. Last week we had our children's takeover and I loved it so much. I'm like, just use that video every time because I love kids and the way they just love their Jesus and Last week was amazing. So I want to shout out to Nicole, our children's director. She's amazing as well and really led that well. Hey, if you're a guest today, we all want to give you a big welcome. So welcome to church. We're so glad you're here. So what we typically do on Sunday with our our sermons is we do three to four weeks of, of a theme. And So today our theme is carrying from where Miss Nicole took us last week. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And today I want to tell you about my Jesus. I want to let you know what what is so important to me about my Jesus. The title gives it all away, but my Jesus is grace. Grace. If you're like me, and I know you are, You've had a few failures in life. You've struggled and had some mess ups in life. You've had some sinful failures along the way. And if you're like me, you are so appreciative and so grateful for grace in your life. I love grace. To be forgiven and given a a second chance, a third chance, a, a fourth chance. I'm telling you, it's so good. Amazing grace. Because of Jesus, I am not who I used to be. Amen? Matter of fact, I'm, I'm living a life that I don't even deserve because of my Jesus. I want to talk to you on the topic of grace today and what that, what that means to all of us today. I want to take us to the book of John chapter 8. And there's a, a beautiful story that we see about grace. And I just want to highlight about my Jesus, who is grace. The Bible says at dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. Well, before I go forward, let me just give you a little context about what we're going to hear in the next part of the verse, because Jesus began to teach and Jesus was teaching about grace. He was teaching that forgiveness of sin is through believing that he is the son of God. And it created a a struggle for the Pharisees and those that were the religious leaders of their day because their, their way of life was from the old covenant which said that you please God and were forgiven based on your obedience to the law. And so as Jesus began to teach, it always stirred the religious leaders to come against him. And they wanted to stop him from from teaching in this manner. And so that's the setup. Verse three goes on to say then, it says the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they brought a woman caught in adultery and they made her stand before the group. Can you imagine the, the humiliation that they put her through? And so they said, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. 
And verse 5 says, In the law of Moses, or the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. And so now what do you say? So they're trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to have this confrontation with him. And, and we find in the story that no doubt this, this woman had broken the religious law. It was obvious she was guilty of sin. She was. Of course, the story omits and, and these religious leaders, they don't bring up the man that was involved in the story, right? It, it was a cover up just like Hunter Biden's laptop. Amen. Oh, come on people. <laughs> All right. Just having some fun. Go with me. <laughs> so they were covering that up. So maybe I'll take a minute and talk about the law. So we understand the law because this is fundamental to the story. So the law is the, the set of holy standards given by God to morally guide and govern his people. Maybe you might call it God's book of rules for life. And, and so he had established the law and when people broke the law in the old covenant, then there was an associated punishment that came with it. And that's why we find this woman who had committed adultery and they were saying she must be put to death. Now, God gave these commandments and he, he gave it, if you remember, to Moses back in, back in the, the Old Testament on a mountaintop. And, and God began to write the Ten Commandments and he wrote it in, in stone and he engraved it with his finger in a stone. And then Moses delivered these, these heavy, weighty rules back down to God's people. And so according to the law, we find that if you were to go back and study that what this woman had done was, was absolutely against the law and she was guilty and deserving of death. So verse six goes on, and this is the, the trap that the, the religious people or the religious leaders are trying to bring for, the, for Jesus. And, and so they were using this question, it says, as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. And so they knew that Jesus was, was wanting to offer her forgiveness. And if he offered her forgiveness in this setting, then it would be going against the law. Therefore, they could condemn Jesus to death as well to get rid of him. But Jesus just did something amazing. And he, he bent down and it says that he began to, to write with, with his finger in, in, the, in the sand. It says, it says Jesus bent down and he began to write. And, and, and now we don't know what he wrote in the sand. We, it, the Bible doesn't tell us that. We can make some assumptions. And so this is thus thinketh Tim. I put a little King James so it sounds like it's real, but thus thinketh Tim. And I think he probably wrote this woman's name in the sand and then he wrote adultery beside it because it was obvious that she had committed that sin. And, and so he wrote it there in the sand and, and I'm sure if this woman is standing there, she sees it and now she realizes the depth of, of her condemnation and you know, for her, you know, this is, you know, game over. Probably the religious leaders were like, well, great. We finally got Jesus to, to change his, his tune here. They were probably clapping like, yes, we, we did it. 
And it goes on to say in verse 7 that they began to question him even more. And so then he flips the script on them. He says to them as he stands up, he says, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And so it was probably a moment of a pause for these these men, these religious leaders that were standing there, they probably were ready to execute judgment upon her. And Jesus says, those who have no sin, in other words, they were like, whoa, you know, like, wait a minute, you know, like he knows something, you know, they started having this self, you know, thought process. Maybe he knows what we did. And so then the Bible says he stooped down and wrote on the ground again. And it says in verse nine, at this, I'm sorry, it says, verse eight says, as he stooped down, he wrote on the ground. This is the second time. And it says that this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. So her name was written in the sand with adultery and they cheered. You have to make an assumption now that as they began to watch Jesus he began to write their name in the sand. And I don't know what he wrote, but probably something like this. He probably wrote Frank. I mean, I don't know. Was there a Frank then? I don't know. If your name's Frank, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to point you out. But he probably wrote Frank. You didn't tithe on your cattle last week. You know, like something like that. And so Frank was like, oh, he knows. So it probably wasn't Frank. Maybe he wrote Amos. I saw that you drank too much wine last night. And Amos is like, whoa. Maybe it wasn't that. Maybe he wrote something else. Maybe he wrote, just using another name, hypothetically, Simon, you were the one with the prostitute. Ooh. Now they're backing away. They're dropping their rocks. Can you imagine the, the shock of them being exposed of their sin now. And so now they've all walked away. They've all left. And now Jesus offers this woman grace. And the Bible says this, that he straightened up and he, and he asked her, he said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she says, no, sir, no one. And he says, then neither do I condemn you. And he said, go now and leave your life of sin. Church, our sin will condemn us, but Jesus's grace will forgive us. And that's the point of the story. It wasn't that she was innocent. It was that Jesus gives grace. And I love this about our church, that we are a church that, that embraces and, and lives out grace in our church body. Matter of fact, we put on screens and banners and we say it often. We say things like welcome home because this is just part of our culture and we want everyone to feel welcomed. We want everyone to feel loved and everyone to feel valued that comes to our church. 
We want those who who are going through difficult times to feel welcomed in here. We want to be the the church that that majors on this place of grace in people's life and they're not coming in and being judged for who they are. I love the fact that Jesus just stood with that woman. He wasn't worried about his reputation. He wasn't worried about her sin. He was like, hey, I can hang with you. And listen, I want people that are going through whatever they're going through to come here and know we'll sit right beside you in church. We'll welcome you into this service and you can be here with us. We value you. We're a church that that welcomes the broken. We welcome the hurting. We welcome the lost. We welcome the confused. We welcome the seekers. We welcome the Republicans. We welcome the Democrats. We welcome the LGBTQ. We welcome people to come in here to find Jesus who will give them grace so that they can have a brand new life. And if you're sitting there thinking we welcome all of these people, then maybe you're thinking more like a Pharisee. Maybe you're like, whoa, I got to be standing with people that are different. Yes. How about that? How about a church that loves people? Amen, church. The church isn't for perfect people. Listen, none of us are. I'm not. You're not. We all have our problems, right? Reminds me of a quick joke I want to tell you. (laughs) All right, so that was a good setup. I'll put you right there for it. Listen, Bubba joke. I love to tell Bubba jokes. I'm I'm from the country in the mountains, and so I, I love to use Bubba. So Bubba, though, he went to the store to buy a huge couch for his family of five so that they could sit and watch Christmas movies together. So the store salesman showed him this couch and It was large and the salesman said to Bubba, he said, listen, this couch will fit all five of you, no problems at all. And Bubba thought, well, I can't have that couch. I don't know five people without problems. Hey, listen, guys, I'm warming up for the Easter, I mean Easter, the, the, what is it? The Christmas Eve Eve service. How many of you have been to one of our Christmas Eve services? Have you ever been to one of them? Well, all of you that haven't, you need to know I really work hard on a little comedy show right before I preach. And it's horrible. But you're going to laugh and you're going to have a blast. It's going to be more Bubba jokes and you're going to be like, I don't know what we're doing, but it's all right. So that was just a warm up. But listen, we all have problems, right? We need to be the friendliest place people go all week. I don't care what the background is. We've got to be friendlier than Chick-fil-A when people come. (laughs) If people don't feel welcomed, then where are they going to find life through Jesus Christ? Then Jesus wasn't finished. And he said to her, I don't condemn you. And he he went on to, to carry on his conversation. And he said to this woman, he said, then, then I want you to, I, I want you to go and, and sin no more. It was, a, it was a pivotal statement because grace welcomed her. But there was a moment that he began to teach her and show her a brand new way of life. 
And that's something that also defines our culture here at our church. Life Church will be welcoming, yet boldly stand on the truth of the word of God. And we will preach the, the word of God and we will, we will talk about the topics that, that are, are you know, culturally irrelevant, but relevant. We'll do it with grace, we'll do it with love, we'll do it with, with you know, tact, but we're never gonna back away from the truth because it's the truth that also transforms our life and, and we wanna be welcomed, but we also need to make disciples of Jesus Christ. I love what the Bible says in John 10, I'm sorry, John 1:17. It says grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. And so for just a few minutes today, I want to focus though on the part of grace and truth, on the grace part. Just teach a little deeper on it so we have the ability to, to live out grace in our life. And so I want to remind you of this on the screen. You'll see that it says that the law is deserved favor and consequences. It's deserved favor and consequences. So under the old covenant, the law was established and when they obeyed the law, there was favor and blessings upon them. When they disobeyed the law, there were the consequences and the punishment came upon them for either obeying or disobeying the law. Now the law is, is beneficial because it, it, it teaches us what sin is. Like without the law, we wouldn't know what right and wrong is. We wouldn't know the truth that we get to preach. And so the law is helpful. I'll give you an example. How many of you ever tried to drive down Highway 74 out of Wilmington going out to I-95? And you know what happens is they change the speed limit like every 15 miles. And so when you're driving along, you're like, am I speeding or not? What is the speed limit? Because it'll go from 65 to 45. You hit Delco there, it's like 10. And then you speeds back up to 65. And then there's a road down to 45. And I drive nervous for like a whole hour through there because I'm like, am I driving the speed limit? I'm like, I need a sign to tell me what the law is. The law teaches you, it tells you, are you speeding or not? The old covenant law teaches us whether or not we're obeying, what, if we're within the, the, the governing, you know, moral laws of God. And so it's not awful, the law, we're not like criticizing the law. As a matter of fact, it's a good system for parenting and civil government because it brings order and discourages wrong behavior, right? But when it comes to our spiritual life, man, we'll never live up to the perfection of a holy law. Therefore, we remain in this place of condemnation without grace. The woman that was in the story, she did not deserve to be forgiven. It wasn't what she deserved. Therefore, let me say it like this, grace is undeserved favor and forgiveness. It's undeserved. Now, how can God do that? How can God just erase our sin? I mean, we have this law. I mean, did suddenly God change his mind about sin? Is he now like, well, it's all right. I just forgive them. You know, they, they messed it all up and yeah, that's good. I mean, is that the heart of God? I don't believe it is. That's not how it's explained to us in scripture because we know that all sin still carries a consequence and a punishment. The question is this, who is going to pay 
for the punishment of your sin. And I want to read you a beautiful verse, a couple of verses that absolutely describe grace so well. I love this. Read this with me. Let me just read it, but you pay attention with me. Romans 3, 23. It says, for everyone has sinned. Now that's true, right? If you've sinned, raise your hand. If, if your hand isn't up, I'll be a Pharisee. I'll come find you. I'll point you out and go, you're it. I'm kidding. We won't do that. So listen, we know, we know everyone has missed the mark. It says we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Verse 24 says, yet God in his grace, freely, undeserved, makes us right in his sight. He forgives our sins. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. How did he do it? For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. And people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life by shedding his blood. He did that force. That's the gospel explained right there. That's how God doesn't, doesn't place the punishment upon us. It was already placed upon Jesus Christ. The grace of God has placed the punishment of our sin upon Jesus. And I'd like to define grace like this. Grace is Jesus taking the punishment that you and I deserve in our life. And church, I just want to tell you that, that if you will recognize in your life that you have missed the mark, if you recognize in your life that, that you have sinned and you have, you have not followed every rule and law of the Old Testament and you know that you've missed the mark, and if you'll turn to Jesus Christ and, and if you'll ask him to forgive you, and if you'll just commit your life to Jesus Christ, then we know that because Jesus paid for your sins upon the cross, he has the authority to forgive every sin in your life and you can be set free because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Amen. Give me a better amen, church. Amen. My Jesus is grace. Oh, I love grace. I get what I don't deserve. Jesus forgave me. When you didn't deserve it, he forgave us when we don't deserve it. Grace, everybody say grace. One, two, three, grace. Say it again, grace. Every Christian should be passionate in their worship of Jesus Christ because you have a understanding of how amazing grace is in your life. Listen, if you know that you've been set free, if, if you know that Jesus has saved you and you know that that he has forgiven you of every sin in your past and every sin that you're part of today and every future thing you're gonna do wrong. If you understand the grace that has covered every sin by the blood of Jesus, if you know that, then, then you're gonna have a natural response to wanna come and say, God, I thank you for my salvation. Listen, praise and worship is as simple as you walking into church and saying, God, I thank you, I thank you. And there ought to be a passion that comes out of a church body that understands grace. When you know that you didn't deserve it, when you know that grace has lifted your shame, when you know that grace has, 
peel the guilt off of your life, when you know that grace has set your destiny for heaven and not for destruction. Man, that's my Jesus. That's my Jesus. I'm so grateful. There's a verse in the book of Luke that says that whoever has been forgiven much loves much. And let me tell you that every sin is much. And if you've been forgiven of any sin, you've been forgiven of much sin. Therefore, the response out of our life should be to love him with all of our hearts. Grace is forgiveness. Amen. Also want to share with you today that grace is our freedom. Grace is forgiveness and grace is our freedom. Some people are forgiven, but they're not living free. They're, 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 they're still living in a place of where they feel guilty. They, they, they still feel like the, the condemnation is still upon them. They still feel like they, they don't deserve to be happy or they don't deserve to, to be joyful. And, and, they're, you know, and they might say something like this to me. I've heard this before. They'll say, well, pastor, you don't know what I did. I don't deserve to, to live free like that. I don't deserve to, to be joyful. You don't know what I did. And you know what I would say to you is I don't really care what you did because I know what Jesus did. And his grace is always greater than your greatest sin in life. And so people live though without the freedom of grace. Reminds me of a bird I used to have. I used to have a, a parakeet. I don't know, college, had a parakeet. I don't know what we were doing with a parakeet in college, but I had a parakeet and the parakeet, he was green and yellow, a green and yellow parakeet. And um, we thought he was cool. And, and, you know, back then we, I was, you know, saw his colors and I was like, man, that looks like a Boston Celtics bird, you know? And so we named our bird, this will date me a little bit, but Larry Bird. Um, so that, that was the name of our bird, Larry Bird. Later we found out that, that Larry was a girl and we renamed Larry to Laverne. So it was Laverne Bird, but that, that's not the story. Um, but, so, but we had this parakeet and, and he had his little cage and, and you know, and he, would just, he was just in our room probably wasn't supposed to have him in our room, but we had the parakeet. And so, but I, I wanted him to have time to fly around the room. And so when I would go to class, I would open the little, the little door to his cage so that while we're gone, he could just fly around the room and, you know, have, you know, spread his wings out. And, and so what was crazy though, is every time I would come back, that little bird would still be sitting in his cage and he never got out of his cage. And it dawned on me that he had lived in an environment for so long where he was in bondage or trapped that when he was free, he didn't know it and he never walked out. I think so many people have been set free from the condemnations and the guilts and the shames of life. And yet they still walk with the heaviness of that in their life. And we want to help you be free. Sometimes people live with this, this sense of shame on them when they've been set free. Let me ask you a question. Are you sin conscious or are you grace conscious throughout the day? Well, let me explain that. First of all, understanding the, the results of a, a sin conscious life. If you, if you are focused on your sin, then, then you're always looking back with regrets. 
the, the results of a, a sinful type of thought life, even when you've been forgiven, you still feel the guilt and you still feel the shame. You still feel defeated and you feel discouraged in your life. And so that's a, that's the, that's a consciousness of, of sin on your life. On the other hand, though, if you are conscious of grace in your life, then, then you, you see life different. And so a grace conscious life would be one of absolute gratitude because of what has been forgiven in your life. You have a life of, of joy as a response. Thank you, God, for my forgiveness in my life. You might have be described as a person that loves to praise and you would be a person that, that feels the, the release and the relief of, of things that have been forgiven, which, which then makes you feel optimistic about life because you've been given a second chance. And so there's just these ways of thought and are you a person that, that is sin conscious or are you grace conscious? Let me show you a verse that, that kind of says this. It says in Romans 3.20, it says, therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. So we know that. You can't be good enough. Rather, it says though, through the law, we can become conscious of our sin. Now, it's good to know we did wrong, but if we remain in this thought process to where I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm condemned, I don't deserve, I, 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 you know, I, I, I'm not loved. And, and that's that, that consciousness that comes from being sin conscious. And I don't think people are necessarily walking around like, you know, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. But I do believe that people are still walking around with, with feelings of guilt and feelings of shame and feelings of inadequacy and feelings of, of stress and frustration because they don't live grace conscious. They don't live in the place of understanding that I have been forgiven of every sin in my life. Freedom is for me. Grace consciousness is, is just being aware that, that, and it's just in, in the front of your mind, in the front of your heart, knowing that, that you have been forgiven of every sin, big and little in your life, and that God no longer sees you through your sin. He sees you through his blood that forgives you. And you're free from that. You're no longer in a place of, of judgment and, and condemnation. And so you have to remind yourself of that. Grace consciousness is, is living free from guilt and living free from the shame of your past. Grace consciousness is, is joyful and it's, it's grateful because, because God's not mad at you. Like in the Old Testament, they, they walked around like fearful. God may be mad at me today. I don't know if I did it all right. I might be getting ready to get hit by lightning or something. We don't live that way. We live with the, the smile of God on our life. And he doesn't look at you through what you did wrong. He just looks at you with the love of, of the blood of Jesus that has set you free. Like we ought to live joyful because of that. Grace conscious. Grace conscious views God as good, views God as loving, caring, welcoming. Grace conscious is optimistic about the future because the, the past isn't weighing us down any longer. We ought to have a, Christians ought to be the most positive, faith-filled, optimistic, future-oriented people because we know that grace is on our life. Undeserved grace. Some people are just living what I would call a, a downward life. 
I just gave it a title. I didn't know what to call it, but a downward life. And a downward life is where you just stay sin conscious and you just, you just remain in this place of where, well, I don't know if I'm going to get through another day. I hope I make it today. And I hope, you know, everything works out today. And, you know, and I don't deserve to be blessed because I've, I've not been that good. And, and, you know, people just live in this downward place. They live in a, a place where they feel guilty all the time. They don't, some people don't even feel like they're worthy of being loved again. They don't even feel worthy to, to be liked and le- worthy to be in a relationship because of their past. And they're just in this downward life. That's no life. Jesus didn't die to give you a downward life. Jesus died to resurrect your life, to give you an upward life. I believe that Jesus wants us to walk around with grace and and love and forgiveness. And and we walk into every situation going, well, listen, I've got the favor of God on my life. I deserve to be in this room. I've got the favor of God. I've been forgiven. I deserve, I don't deserve it, but I get to be in this relationship. I get to do this because of the grace. It's an upward life that God wants for you. And I want to encourage you today when you leave here, that if you know Jesus Christ and he has saved you, then I want you to start walking freedom in your life. And every time you get this, the negative thoughts and you get the, the discouraging thoughts and you get the, I'm not worthy thoughts and I get, and you get the shame thoughts. I want you to go, no, no, no. I'm not going to live a downward life. I'm going to live an upward life and I'm going to, I'm going to stand on the other side of the cross that has set me free and start living a free life. I believe Jesus set you free. And I believe to live a downward life is missing so much of what the cross was for in your life. And the enemy's gonna come at you. Your brain's gonna come at you. It's gonna try to discourage you. You're gonna hear things in, in, your, in your head. And, and you know, that's where the, the devil attacks us so much just in, in our mind and And he's going to say, well, you don't deserve to be happy. And he's going to say, you don't deserve to be hopeful. And and you don't deserve to be free. You don't deserve to be positive. And you don't deserve God's help. And I mean, he's going to give you all this you don't deserve. And, And at that moment, you just need to declare, you're right. I don't deserve it. I don't want what I deserve. I want the grace of Jesus Christ that has set me free so that I can live the life that he planned for me. Amen. So live, live, live a grace life. Give grace to others too. Live a grace life. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He set me free. He forgave my sins. My Jesus is my grace. And if he's not your Jesus and your grace, I want to take the last minute of my service today and introduce you to my Jesus because he wants to be grace for you. I'm not sure your situation in life. Some of you have never begun a relationship with Jesus. You've never had your sins forgiven. Some of you are here and you've been living a downward life and today's a day of change for all of us. But for those of you that have never begun a relationship, you've never had your sins forgiven, I want you to look on the screen. Four quick things. I want you to know you're loved by God. He loves you. And it's not based on how good or bad you've been, he loves you. We've all sinned. We talked about that today. And then we find the third box that Christ died on the cross as the only payment for our sin. He he paid the price for you. 
what we do is we believe in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for my sins. And he was resurrected back to life. You believe that and your life will be transformed. He'll begin to, to, to help you from the inside out. With every head bowed, if you're here today and you can say, Pastor Tim, I want a brand new life. I don't want the, the shame of my past. I want to be forgiven. If you've never begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, would you raise your hand to me and say, Pastor Tim, I want that for my life. Now, if you're here and you've, you've been forgiven, but you haven't been living free, and somewhere in the mess of today, you realized I've been living somewhat of a downward life in some areas, and you want to turn it to an upward life, and you just say, God, God, I need prayer in that area. Would you lift your hand to me? I'd love to just pray for you as well. Well, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that Jesus came to earth. He lived a perfect life, a sinless life. And he took the punishment that all of us deserved upon himself so that we can be forgiven and free. God, free your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Amen church.